0: My guest on the podcast today is Roger Dooley. Roger's an author, keynote speaker, podcast host, Forbes contributor, friction hunter, and Texas barbecue fan. Welcome to the podcast, Roger.
1: Well, thanks for having me on, Nick. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. You know, before we get started, I, I need to ask one question. What is your favorite type of, of Texas barbecue?
1: Well, I guess if somebody came to Austin where I live and said, okay, Roger, I'm going to have a chance to, visit one barbecue restaurant one time, what should I get? Uh, yeah. I would have to go with the brisket. Uh, and yeah. there are certainly differences between restaurants, but uh, rather than singling out my favorite, go with the brisket and then the, the key thing to ask for that many people might not know if they're not from the area is to get the moist brisket. Now huh. moist is uh, basically a rebranding of fat. Like you don't, nobody wants to order a brisket with extra fat, but it's the fat that makes it taste really good and makes it moist and tender. So uh, when you order the brisket, get it moist.
0: Nice. It, it just sounds better. It sounds healthier when you call it moist. Oh yeah, not... yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: yeah. On oh, brisket, extra fat. Yeah, people think, oh my God, my arteries are going to plug up, which they may. But uh, <laughs> moist sounds way better. <laughs>
0: Uh, That's awesome. So, uh, the main topic on today will be, obviously, for for me, I'm excited to talk about friction. Uh, You know, Roger has wrote wrote a book on friction, and it's the untapped force that can be your most powerful advantage. And I love that. Um, But I want to first uh, have you define friction for us.
1: Uh, Basically, the simplest definition is any unnecessary effort to perform a task. Uh, And uh, in the book I really expand that in various ways into employee experience and whatnot but I know you focus a lot on customer customer experience Nick uh, and there it means uh, any unnecessary effort that your customers have to go through to accomplish what they want uh, think of standing in line for an hour at the DMV uh, that is really high friction uh, and yeah. just uh, the other day uh, I did a uh, I found some data from a user experience specialist, uh, Peter Ramsey from the UK, who evaluated how many clicks it took to open an account at different banks and financial institutions, and then how many days it took before he was able to actually use his account. Uh, and the differences were staggering. Um, There's something like, a, I don't recall the exact numbers, but the lowest one had about 25 clicks to set up. Uh, the highest one had something like 125. The Uh, The fastest institutions, there were several uh, that were able to get the account usable in two or three days. Uh, The longest one, which was a huge uh, bank that's been around for ages, HSBC, uh, took 36 working days before he was able to use it. Now imagine if you open up an account because you had a check that you wanted to deposit or something. You know, a month and a half later, you're going to really be wondering about that. And so, uh, you know, to me, uh, like those are pretty extreme examples but, yeah. you know, I guarantee you that everybody has some unnecessary effort in their customer experience and in their customer journey. Uh, and my mission is to help them find it and eliminate it.
0: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. You know, how do you, just because you're a hundred plus year old, year old organization doesn't mean that customers will continue to do business with you. Uh, if, no, if you no don't exactly, look-
1: yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, you'd say, well, it's all about trust, right? I mean, hey, if you're going to put your money in a bank, uh, you want somebody who's, uh, i got a brand that's been trusted, preferably trusted for decades or centuries, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but uh, if you got to wait a month and a half to get your account open, uh, that isn't going to help at all. You know, and if somebody says, hey, uh, I can do it tomorrow and uh, we're properly insured just like the other banks, it's like, deal, we're done.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, on the title of your, of your LinkedIn said that you were a friction hunter. So how do you go about hunting for friction?
1: Uh, You know, the best way, there's there's many different tools you can use. Uh, The best way, first of all, is just to observe your customers. Uh, And if you are a customer experience person uh, inside a company or perhaps working with a company, uh, to go through that experience yourself as best you can as a naive user without knowing uh, any shortcuts or using any special advantages. Uh, Often, when people are subjected to their own customer experience of having to set up an account or to place an order, uh, they find that, wow, this, uh, this is really much more awkward than I would expect. Uh, and sometimes they get hung up in the process, too. And so, I mean, just observing customers and doing yourself as one. Uh, then beyond that, uh, you know, most of our processes are digital these days. And as a result, we've got great digital metrics. You know, we can measure uh, how long people spent on every step of the process. We can see what people clicked on, what people tried to click on that wasn't clickable. You know, people are yeah. clicking on something on your web page or on your in your mobile app, uh, and it's not clickable. Uh, you are confusing them. You're wasting their effort. You're frustrating them, and they may or may not get to the thing that you wanted them to click. You know, there's so many different metrics. Uh, sophisticated, uh, like really large companies, uh, even measure. They can do behavioral analytics down to the product level to see where people are getting hung up on a product. Uh, they can mm-hmm. do things like measure rage clicks, like when people are clicking. Uh, something so frantically because they're so mad at it uh, uh, or even uh, measure in you know these automated voice menus that we all love where uh, you know please listen to all the options carefully because we recently changed them when there's nine options none of which are right Um, (laughs) uh, they actually have profanity detectors so you can measure when people are cursing at your voice menus and you know if, if people are cursing at your voice menus you're probably doing it wrong
0: yeah they also have a, I believe like voice inflection. so you can also hear uh, during the conversation once you speak to an agent on um, how the volume of your voice is or if somebody is saying, "Hey, I want to speak to your manager, it can almost click over to the to leadership but yeah it's it's interesting I, I've never heard of the, the 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 amount of clicks or the how they click on your on your site so that's that's an interesting way to to go about yeah, it's, it's,
1: you, it's not all that common i to me uh, measuring Uh, unnecessary clicks is probably uh, the simplest and easiest things. And there are tools that you can, uh, you can even get free tools up to some uh, level of volume uh, that'll measure uh, clicks. Uh, And you would be surprised at what people try and click on. Uh, And, you know, you'll get random clicks all over the page because of accidents and just people bump their mouse or something and stuff like that. But when you find a click hotspot on something that's not clickable, meaning that multiple people are doing that, uh, then, you've probably got a problem there and you better take a look at it.
0: They either, <laughs> yeah. either
1: make it clickable, you know, people want to click on it. Uh, if it's obvious what they're expecting to have happen, mm-hmm. uh, like if there's, they're clicking on the words open account uh, and really they're supposed to be clicking on continue, well maybe you ought to make the open account a hotspot too and let them click it. To, you know, don't necessarily say, you know, try and reroute them to the right thing. Let them do what they want to do.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, As, as much as I'd like to, to walk through your, your entire book and, and kind of break that down chapter by chapter. We don't have uh, all the time. We, we, could,
1: we could do a weekly podcast for a year and we could get it done, I think. Yeah?
0: <laughs> I think we'll, we might have to, to discover that. I think we could, we could make, maybe make that work. But on this podcast today, we, uh, I'd like to maybe focus on chapter seven, which is customer experience and friction and chapter eight, which is technology friction. So the first chapter uh, or the first uh, chapter seven, you mentioned delight
1: is for dummies. What do you mean by that? Well, okay. I'm saying that a little bit uh, sarcastically. Uh, it is, it's a little, it's the lead into a section. And uh, look, every customer likes to be delighted. Okay. It's uh, when suddenly, you know, you check into a hotel and you find a gift basket like room, it. you know, okay, hey, that is awesome. You know, and you're going to remember that. But uh, most businesses uh, cannot afford to delight their customers all the time, or even often, or perhaps at all. Uh, And delight is not a necessary ingredient for building customer loyalty. Uh, Mm. Gartner, the big market research company, did some really interesting research on customer effort. uh, And they found that the true indicator for customer loyalty, what made customers loyal was uh, minimal effort. They, they looked at the at customer service interactions and whether the customers consider them a high effort or a low effort interaction. And it's important to note that uh, it is in the eyes of the customer. In other words, you may think, well, hey, my customer service is actually pretty effective. I've, I've done our competition and man, we're, we're better than they are. Uh, they aren't comparing you to your competition. They're comparing you to Amazon. They're comparing you to Uber. If your mobile app is harder to use than Uber's, uh, you suck. You know it's uh, so. I mean, that first of all, the, the bar is set by the customer, not by you or some arbitrary metric of yes, anything more than this is easy. It's whether people think it's easy or not. Uh, but customers who had uh, a high effort experience in customer service uh, were about uh, were like ninety four percent likely to be disloyal. That's about ten times as high as low effort customers. Uh, they were. Uh, only about one-tenth is likely to be a repeat purchaser, and uh, even more amazing was the difference in the likelihood of them saying bad things about the brand. People who had a high effort experience said that they were about 88, 88% said they would be likely to say bad things about the brand, uh, where only 1% of low effort customers said that. Uh, so, you know, we know how important reviews are in Yelp and uh, online comments and Facebook and People ask for recommendations. Hey, you know, have you used this brand? Uh, the last thing you want uh, is somebody who had a high-effort customer service interaction, interaction trashing you uh, to their friends and their social media following. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's what really counts. In in, that, in Gardner's research, that was more important than delight, because uh, face it, delight is expensive. You know, if uh, like Ritz-Carlton can delight their customers. You know, They're a very high margin product. They empower their people to uh, spend up to $2,000 uh, making uh, things right for a customer. Uh, yeah. And that's without asking a manager. So like if you get the maid in the hallway and say, hey, you know, I had this problem in my room. And, uh, you know, uh, even she is empowered to spend big bucks to get it taken care of without saying, oh, I'll, I'll ask my boss. So, I mean, that's that's remarkable. But very few companies... Uh, can afford to take that approach. And uh, right. I think the great counterexample, Nick, uh, is Amazon. Uh, you know, I am extremely loyal to Amazon. Uh, and I can prove that by, with my credit card bills because uh, <laughs> uh, it is littered with Amazon purchases. And about, uh, I don't know, a few years ago, uh, my loyalty to Amazon was tested because in the state of Texas, we had not been paying sales tax then suddenly, Amazon started collecting it. They worked a deal with the state uh, and they started collecting sales tax. So for me, that was an immediate 8% price increase. Now I said, okay, I better shop around. I'm going to start looking at other online sellers, e-commerce yeah. firms uh, who aren't yet collecting sales tax. Because I can save 8%, man, it be stupid to leave 8% on the table, right? right. Uh, I found my behavior didn't change uh, at all because it was just so easy and frictionless to do business with them. Uh, and, you know, but the funny thing is, Amazon has never delighted me, okay? Uh, you know, I've never gotten like some amazing extra thing in a box from Amazon. Uh, you know, I've never uh, gotten a call from Jeff Bezos saying, hey, Roger, just want to let you know we really appreciate your business. None of that. I have not talked to a human at Amazon in probably three or four years. The only mm-hmm. humans I've seen have been these anonymous delivery drivers. And it's a different one every time, as near as I can tell. You know, maybe it's not, but it always seems that mm-hmm. way. Who just like wordlessly uh, drop a package on your porch uh, but they're always freaking on time. You know, it's uh, they are incredibly dependable, incredibly reliable. And for that reason, I keep doing business with them. And uh, for that reason, they keep gaining market share against other e-commerce companies that are all trying to improve their logistics, improve their service to match Amazon's. Amazon is staying one step ahead of them and in actually increasing their market share.
0: Yeah. No, I, I would 100% agree. I could take all the the tape on Amazon of all the boxes and almost create a, create a wallpaper. <laughs> uh, I, I've had so many boxes. But one of the stats that you had actually just mentioned was um, 88% of high effort customers say negative things about, customer, about the customer. Uh, this should mean that the customer should pay more attention to effort, obviously. Um, what are a few e- examples of high effort?
1: Okay, well... Uh... In those customer service interactions, what Gartner found uh, was there were several. Uh, First of all, not being able to settle the problem or handle the problem on the first contact. So if you uh, call in and you can't get your problem resolved in that first contact, uh, then it becomes high effort. If -hmm. you have to switch media, uh, in other words, if you start on Twitter uh, and they say, oh gee, uh, you better call our 800 number, they can help you there okay, mm-hmm. that becomes high effort. And, you know, I just had, I have great respect for FedEx. Uh, FedEx is one of my favorite companies uh, since I studied them in business school. And they do a really phenomenal job by and large. Uh, but they insist on interacting with you by phone. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if you uh, start on Twitter, they refer you to their 800 number after after nothing, really. Uh, uh, they say, maybe get your uh, uh, shipping a tracking number or something. Say, so, okay, yep. we'll call call the 800 number. Uh, if you try and do an online chat, as near as I can tell, uh, they don't have one. You might have some kind of a chat bot, but uh, at least I've never been able to find a way to chat with a human, which is my preferred way of doing it, because I can be multitasking my computer while I'm maintaining that conversation. Yep. But uh, they force you to that. You get there, and it's like uh, you arrive, and it's, uh, there's 87 people in queue, uh, and your wait time is uh, seven minutes. You know, you can see them counting down because they go through. They've obviously got big call centers, that so they go through pretty rapidly. Yep. Uh, but to me, that's just so frustrating and annoying. Uh, or something else that happens frequently, uh, not on FedEx necessarily, but on other interactions, is when you have to switch people. Like you talk to the first person, you explain their problem, and say, "Oh, okay, uh, you need our account people, you need our tech people, or something," and then you go to that next person and you have to start over from scratch. <laughs> uh, and explain your whole problem again. Or even worse, uh, you have to re with them. And I've seen that happen occasionally where, uh, you know, these some companies, uh, looking at you, United Airlines, uh, have these uh, really crazy authentication processes to be sure that you are really you when you're calling to uh, work on a reservation that you already set up yourself, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I get if I say, say hey, I'm going to transfer 300,000 miles to uh, my... Close friend in Pakistan, maybe they should say, okay, uh, Roger, that's good, uh, but uh, we do need a little bit of information from you first. But when I'm working on an existing reservation, uh, you know, it's going to be taking off in an hour or something, uh, you know, that's not the time for this. But anyway, that re authentication the second time is super annoying. It's annoying enough yeah. the first time when they know when you're on your mobile phone, but uh, regardless, uh, you know, those are the kinds of things that create the perception of effort. And No, you can uh, ask customers. I I see some companies uh, that are aware of effort. Uh, There is a product, much like Net Promoter Score, that I'm sure everybody uh, in our listeners uh, knows about. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a product called Customer Effort Score, and it's it's Mm -hmm. very similar in concept, except it asks about effort. Uh, You don't have to buy that product. You can ask your own customer effort question if you want, Uh, as long as you keep it simple and don't make it uh, six questions on a scale of one to 10 or something. Uh, You you can ask people about effort. Google does that. Uh, I've had a couple of interactions with Google, even with humans, uh, interestingly enough. There are humans at Google, uh, if you have some uh, tech support needs as an advertiser. And uh, they didn't ask, like, uh, when I deal with my uh, cable company, uh, my internet service provider, uh, those are always high effort interactions. Every single one is high effort because they don't really care because they know they're a monopoly in their particular space. That's right. uh, uh, but they don't ask you what you thought about their experience. They don't, they don't ask about even net promoter score. Would you recommend our service? Because by the time you get off the phone call, you're so pissed at them. Uh, <laughs> of course, everybody's going to answer like three. No marketing manager wants to have an average net promoter score of 4.2. So right. they uh, they don't ask that question. They say, uh, was your agent courteous? You know, uh, How would you rate their knowledge? Uh, you know, and where the only option you have is to either say, well, the agent was fine. It was your stupid processes that were awful or throw the agent under the bus because you're pissed at the company. And yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's not how to do it. Uh, ask about effort. And you know, if you've got to use a net promoter score or your own NPS type question, that's fine too. I mean, it's better than nothing. It is not the single metric that uh, the early promoters uh, suggested that it might've been, but it's definitely better than doing nothing.
0: Right. Yeah. And you kind of, you mentioned on customer effort score. Um, Is there a way to just eliminate effort across all organizations?
1: Uh, There's probably no way to eliminate all effort, but you know, uh, I hate to keep bringing up Amazon as an an example, but Mm -hmm. way back in 1997, Jeff Bezos was talking about frictionless shopping. Uh, This was when, Most uh, companies were trying to figure out e-commerce and whether they really needed to do it or not. Uh, So, uh, you know, he was way ahead of the time. Uh, In 1998, they patented one-click ordering. uh, And that was to make shopping about as frictionless as it could possibly be. You see a product on their website and you click one button and 48 hours or less later, it is on your doorstep. Uh, So that's pretty close to zero friction. I mean, you do have to, Uh, decide that you want to buy the product but that's about all the effort that it takes Uh, and you know they uh, ended up getting in a battle with barnes and noble who was their competitor at the time they were primarily books then Mm -hmm. Uh, barnes and noble said well they can't patent that so they implemented their own one-click type system they got in a fight Uh, amazon spent millions of dollars to defend that one-click patent and they won Uh, and so that gave them 17 years of protection for that process Uh, But what did they really gain by winning that suit, spending millions of dollars? They gained a one single little click advantage over their other e-commerce competition. Just one little click. Barnes & Noble had to add a confirm order button on the next screen. So, I mean, that is almost zero effort. In fact, if you talk to uh, those people in your organization, other than maybe a true user experience, customer experience specialist, Mm-hmm. Uh, they, and you say, well, we, we, there's an extra click here. Tell, oh, that's one click. It's not important. Uh, you know, it's, it's only one click. Of course, hey, not a big deal. Uh, you look at the bank comparison where, you know, like one company have um, 100 more clicks than another company in their uh, account setup process. So, uh, you know, I mean, people are ob- oblivious to that. Uh, and, but there was one smart person who was not oblivious uh, at the time, Steve Jobs was about to launch iTunes, their Apple's new music store. He saw one click ordering. They did not try and develop a technical workaround. They didn't try and take on Amazon and court the way Barnes and Noble did. They paid Amazon a million bucks so they could put one click ordering on their music store. And, uh, both companies have profited very handsomely from that little one click advantage.
0: Yeah. Wow. No, that's, that's an amazing story. It's, uh, It's amazing on how organizations um, have friction, potentially don't see it because they have those goggles on um, and they don't know what to do about it. But, you know, when it comes to technology, specifically around security, why is security our biggest source of digital
1: friction? Well, every company has uh, uh, the important task of preventing fraud for their own protection, Uh, For their shareholders, for their customers, not losing their customer information and so on. So, uh, fraud prevention is very important. I would never minimize that. But the way you go about it, uh, it can differ greatly. You know, I have never in, I don't know, probably 15 years or more of uh, doing business with Amazon, uh, never had them email me saying, hey, Roger, you got to change your password uh, because uh, we got hacked or uh, you know, we're going to give you a year of life lock because uh, we yeah. got hacked. Uh, I've still got that same crappy password that I've had for way over 10 years. Uh, <laughs> and they never asked me to log in. Every time I go to amazon.com, I'm automatically logged in It says, oh, Roger, hello, Roger, up in the corner. Uh, you know, every time I go back to United Airlines, it's like I'm starting with them fresh. Like We don't know you, so you got to log in. If if i Go away from their screen from 50, for 15 minutes or something, which is pretty common if you're trying to orchestrate complex reservations. They log me out. I've got to log back in again, uh, and it goes on and on. And they've got all these crazy. Uh, about once a month, uh, even when I've been using the same computer that I've been using for like five or six years, uh, about once a month, I go to United.com and they say, "Ooh, Roger, we don't recognize this device." Uh, we need to reauthenticate you and start asking stupid questions about uh, what kind of movies I watch and books I read. Like, I got to remember what I set up. The only good thing is they do it so often that now I'm actually starting to remember the answers to those questions. <laughs> but I mean, That's it's not totally a good thing. <laughs> that, that has never happened to me at Amazon. Like, never yeah. uh, in a decade or more have they said, no, we need to reauthenticate you uh, before you can do anything, which is basically what United does. But what Amazon does is smart. It's not that they have weak security or no security. They keep me logged in. When an, enable, they enable me to do very simple, uh, safe things, like place one-click orders to my home or office address. Uh, yeah. As long as I am using uh, my existing payment methods, shipping to addresses that I've shipped to before, they want me to be able to use that one-click button and complete the order, it's frictionless. But uh, if I engage in some other kind of behavior, say I uh, decide to send people gift cards, which are basically like sending cash uh, through email, or if I decide to uh, ship uh, you a big screen TV, Nick, uh, then they're gonna say, whoa, Roger, okay, hey, uh, can you just uh, re-enter your password, or uh, can you re-enter your credit card number? Uh, Because they have recognized this, uh, as a transaction that is somewhat higher risk than a one-click order to an existing mm-hmm. address. Uh, but, you know, this takes smart coding. Uh, I think that many businesses find it easier just to build a wall around everything. And if you're inside the wall, you can do anything. And, uh, but they keep booting you outside the wall uh, every chance they get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is where friction comes into it. You know, really intelligent friction uh, like Amazon uses uh, is minimizes that in the customer experience. And again, it makes them super easy to deal with. I mean, just going back to a website, knowing that you have been there in a while, so you're probably logged out, you're gonna have to find your password and log in again is enough to dissuade you from using that website.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely is, you know, and um, after the podcast, I'll send you my address. You can, you can ship me that big screen TV. That'll be great.
1: Right, and, and your Amazon password too. So
0: I ask uh, two questions to every guest. That'll speed
1: it it up because you'll be shipping to your home address. So it'll go (laughs) a lot faster than if I ship it to you.
0: Perfect. Perfect. We'll we'll, we'll see what we can do on the back end. But so I asked two questions to everybody who is a guest. And the first question is, is what book or person has it influenced you the most in the past year? And the second question is, if you could leave a note to all the customer service professionals uh, across the world and, and they would receive it, what would it say?
1: Well, okay, the first, uh, uh, if we limit it to the last year, uh, you, we eliminate some of my sort of long-term favorites uh, like uh, uh, Bob Cialdini's books, uh, Danny Raleigh's books, uh, and some others that have really uh, influenced me over time. Uh, no pun intended, they're an influence. But yep. uh, I guess in the last year, one that has most impressed me is uh, Safi Bakal's Shots, where he explains why organizations so often lose their capability of doing innovative risky things and uh, you know it's definitely worth a read if uh, somebody's in an organization that feels like it's getting a little bit of a hardening of the arteries the people aren't innovating all the products are just product extensions or enhancement of existing products nobody's doing risky stuff uh, that's that's a great read I think uh, and he has some some really interesting logic about how uh, structure uh, can be more important than culture. In fact, we've probably all heard the old line about uh, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Well, he Mm -hmm. uses uh, the phrase structure eats culture for lunch. And obviously (laughs) culture is really important, just as delight is not all bad. But uh, uh, he points out that uh, a company, even really big companies, can change their incentive structures and their promotion structures and the way they do promotions and the way they award pay increases uh, to avoid that hardening of the arteries and really reward innovation and get people taking risks again. So that's uh, uh, that one. Uh, And as far as what I would advise uh, customer service folks, customer experience folks, uh, to Mm -hmm. me, uh, the uh, best thing I can suggest is to view your customer journey through uh, the eyes of somebody experiencing that for the first time. Uh, If you've never done it yourself, maybe you are those eyes. But if you know your website, know your mobile app uh, inside out, uh, you're not the right person. You're going to have to, say, uh, ask your mother to do it or your grandmother, if you're perhaps younger and she's still around. uh, Say, hey, uh, uh, mom, uh, I want you to order XYZ on this website and see uh, if she can do it intuitively. You know, find somebody who is not the swiftest uh, tech person you know and uh, get them to do it. Uh, and if you find that they're stumbling around, don't say, well, because, you know, if you show that to your developer, they're going to say, well, that person is just dumb. You know, it's, uh, uh you know, they, they don't know what they're doing. You know, people, these days, people know how to do stuff on the web. Yeah, yeah. Uh, big big news flash, not everybody does. Uh, and uh, these sort of blind testers uh, uh, who aren't familiar with their site, maybe not even that familiar with uh, technology in general, uh, will be a great way to see uh, how frictionless your processes really are.
0: Yeah, that is some great advice. So I appreciate that. You can connect with Roger on uh, his website, which is rogerdooley.com on uh, LinkedIn, which is Dooley D O O L E Y uh, his Twitter, which is at Roger Dooley. And you can also connect with him on and, and view his um, articles on Forbes is since he is a contributor and just, uh, type in, even on Google, just type in uh, Roger Dooley and Forbes, and that will pop up. And um, I want to wrap up this podcast uh, with the last sentence of his book. And it's, uh, it states this. It says, now put on your friction goggles, grab your metaphorical WD-40, and eliminate some friction. Thank you for your time, Roger. I really appreciate it and uh, wish you the best of luck. Well, thank you, Nick. It's been a lot of fun.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Press 1 for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share. Until next time, focus on your customers.
0: Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.